Tom Shepstone, and I'm happy to be on with Jason. And the website, naturalgasnow.org, is that right? That's correct. Okay, we got to give your business a plug, too. I mean, we might as well start it off because yeah, you're, sure. you're, you're one of those journalistic types, you know, one of those types that are, are in it for the, you know, what do they call it, for the passion, probably not as much as the, as the money. So we got to give you a plug whenever we can. You know that. So, Oh, uh, thank you. You bet. Hey, let's start off by talking about the, the recent coronavirus, COVID shutdowns. You know, we're, we're oh, really, yeah, we're, we're, we're just a couple days shy of May 1st. And yeah. Um, you know, President Trump, which I found interesting, uh, his shift of language over the last month to he was demanding things. And then he started delegating a couple weeks ago, like he realized this was bigger than him. So now it's, it's a delegation phase. But uh, talk to me a little bit as we approach May 1st, what you're seeing and hearing out there in your world out in the Marcellus, Pennsylvania, New York, that area. Yeah, uh, what I'm seeing is just massive frustration with the entire thing. Uh, I, be, I believe everybody has gotten a little taste of socialism, and whether they admit that or not or understand that or not, they're saying, I don't like this one little bit. You know, uh, The orders we've seen in New York and Pennsylvania, were the, which are the one, and Maryland, which are the ones I'm most familiar with, uh, and also California, where my son lives, uh, are wildly different. Every, you know, every state is doing this a little bit different. But the one thing that they're consistent about is they're all going overboard. You know, they're, they, they started off some of the states. For example, our governor today is just today saying, well, you can go back on the golf courses. Excuse me? Why the hell couldn't we go on those golf courses to begin with? You know, I mean, this is crazy. Um, just too much. It was, too, it was over the top. People are frustrated. <clears throat> they're angry. They understand the need to, you know, take precautions. They understand the need to be careful. Uh, they're interested in the facts and doing things the right way. But they realize that the government is a very poor tool for finding your way through something like this. It may be the only tool that's available to some extent, but um, but, but it's a very poor tool. I'll tell you so two things that are not lost on me. Uh, number one is how quickly, uh, how quickly the government got the people to be obedient that was not lost on me at all okay and number two is right now is a time for real leadership and it Uh really annoys me that the people who are making uh decisions really haven't spent much time in the real world they've they've been somebody who has gotten a check every day, no matter what, their entire life. And they're still getting a check. And they're, they're still, still getting, getting a check, right. And they're still getting a check. And so yeah. that, that part leads me to this question, which is, um, at, you know, I, I, I did have a little bit of passion. I dropped some F-bombs on Senator Hoven's staff. I was really upset about that first round of the PPP and that whole switcheroo, how it, it just seemed like it was a, a l- uh-huh. little bit, my, let's put it this way. My journalistic instincts were going off beyond belief with, throughout that whole thing. And when yep. I took a step back, I thought, okay, are we going through a shift here? Are we really going through? I mean, I, I'm not going to get upset. I'm just going to look at it for what it is. Uh-huh. Is this a shift? Because the, the speed of this and the, everything involved, you know, when, when I look at small business being defined under 500 people, and when you're a public company and you can be considered a small business and that was rewritten to accommodate that, 
I, I got to ask you the question. Are we going through a shift, Tom Shepstone? Because it seems to me that the, the, the traditional small and family business is going to have a hard time competing with government and public companies. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I, I'm of two minds on it. Uh, I don't mean to equivocate, but uh, uh, let me give you the, the negative side first, which is, of course, small businesses are not up to you know manipulating the system like large businesses are. Um, they, you know, they don't even understand the rules of how to apply for things, or, you know, how you use your congressman maybe to get a, you know, get a leg up on something. Uh, they're, you know, they're inclined not to uh, look for this kind of help in the most cases anyway. Uh, all those sorts of things, and of course, many of them are cash strapped, so they they uh, don't have the, the the staying power of some of the larger, you know, companies and governments and things like that. So that's the negative side of it. Um, the and, and then that's all you know very real. But the the other part of it is the positive side of it is uh, small business is much easier to uh, is much more able to adapt to circumstances than large businesses. And you see that with the supply chains for like groceries, for example. Uh, I noticed immediately. That you know, we have a couple of different supermarkets in town. One is a small uh, uh, local uh, supermarket. That's you know, it's not tiny, but it's a it's a smaller supermarket that is a, a, an independent, so to speak. They have an affiliation with some co-op or something, but they're not part of a big chain. Okay, they're an independent. And we also have a a, a very nice supermarket which I love to shop in. That is uh, probably three times the size. Um, you know, the, the classic new modern supermarket where you get a lot of takeout food and all kinds of things, you know, and the bigger, bigger, bolder selection of items and so and displays are beautiful and all that. But I noticed that the, the smaller supermarket was able to keep fairly constantly stocked with things like the toilet paper, which, of course, is everybody's joke these days because, we, you know, why, why are we having a run on toilet paper, you know? But, but things like that and paper towels, they were able to keep more of that stuff coming in. And the reason is is because they weren't dependent on these just-in-time uh, manipulative systems that are designed to uh, uh, deliver stuff, you know, uh, the moment you need it but not a moment earlier, uh, where everything is, you know, super managed by computers and not people, uh, they were able to just, just simply adapt and go to, you know, different suppliers and different places to get things. Whereas the big guys, they were, they were not nearly as flexible. And, uh, and I think that continues to be the case, uh, right up to today, um, that, that some of the smaller businesses are more easy, are easier to uh, deal with these things, uh, they find it easier to deal with these things because they're adaptable. And it takes me back to, you know, I used to do a lot of consulting in the railroad industry. And again, not for big railroads, I, I don't know enough to do that, but the, but I was quite involved for many years in helping set up little short line railroads. And, uh, and, and back in that, that day, if we're talking 30 or 40 years ago, um, that was the same thing. The short line railroads were much more adaptable. They could take over a branch line. The big guys couldn't make any money at to save their soul. They could take it over and they could make some money. And a lot of them failed, but a lot of them made it, you know, and uh, um, because they were able to do things differently. And so 
that's the positive side. So again, I, I feel strong both ways, I guess. <laughs> How about that? No, and and here's the thing: is that um, there's no right or wrong answer really on this because, it, like I said, I think it's a shift. I think there's it's it's just kind of the way things are going, and the adaption part is real. The quick and nimble part is real, and that was by design. And um, one of the reasons we're covering this on the crude life as far as the small business side so heavily is because a big portion of the oil and gas industry is small business. I mean, when you take yes. a look at the trucker, the cafe owner, you know, yes. the frac sand guys, a lot, yes. a lot of truckers, for example, are 1099 employees for a bigger company. And so they do that so they can be available 24-7 for their family, and they can also reduce rates on a dime when the oil industry comes out publicly and says, hey, guys, we need another 25% reduction, uh, percent reduction. So right. sm small business is a very instrumental and critical part, and that's one of the reasons why we are paying attention to it so hard. Um, have you seen the impact of this at all on those sole proprietors and those call it under 10, you know, because a big part of the oil and gas business is those guys. Yeah. I, I, I have not seen the uh, direct effects yet. Uh, you know, it's more of everybody speculating about it at this point uh, that if we don't, you know, it's, it's the kind of thing on the street where if we don't get back to work soon, we're going to be in trouble. But I, I haven't seen people actually go out of business yet. Unfortunately, in Pennsylvania, the one thing our, our governor has gotten right, and mostly he's gotten stuff wrong, but the one thing he's gotten right is that he's let the natural gas business continue. Um, so that has, you know, that has continued to work and people are continued to be employed in that regard. And, uh, but he made some critical mistakes at the beginning, for example, he, he had a list on his list of essential businesses, which the whole concept of essential and non-essential is so socialistic and so uh, so offensive. But but in any case, on the list of uh, non-essential businesses was loggers. You know, my God, why in the world? Why in the world would you want to prevent a logger from going to work? He's out in the woods, you know, um, and and he drives his truck into the yard and dumps the product. That's it, you know. So. Um, fortunately, that was turned around rather quickly, and now he's turned around on construction businesses and things like that. And he's let people go back on golf courses, as I said earlier. So, um, so I've not seen it directly, and I, and I, at the end of the day, I'm optimistic because I think people don't like the socialism. They don't like the big spending. They recognize that it may be unavoidable um, for the moment, uh, but I think the president's done a pretty good job of leadership. Um, He's, he seems to have known when to change the tone, when to go from mm -hmm. we've got to fight this bug to oh, let's get, we, now we've got to get back to work. You know, he's, he, he seemed to have his sense of timing pretty good on that. I, uh, I had I about Florida a, a room the other day when they were just bashing President Trump, mm -hmm. and I just kind of looked at him and I said, in my opinion, I believe he's the only one tro showing true leadership. And they exactly. looked at me and I said, listen— I'm not talking about anything outside of the fact when it first started, he compared it to a flu. And so far, he's right. So far, he's right. Yeah. Now, now there are some different ripples and there are some different concerns. I get that. And as he started to get informed, he started changing his tune a little bit to where, like, right. you know, okay, originally he wanted it back by Easter. To me, 
Trump started seeing that this was getting bigger than him, so he had to go to his religious base, and that's why he said yeah. Easter. In fact, I laughed because I said, boy, this yeah. coronavirus has gotten people so distracted, nobody even right. showed, nobody even tried to manufacture a gaffe that, hey, Trump, nobody works on Easter, you know, that type of thing. You know, some, right. in, in the old days, somebody would have called him out front page news, okay? Now, right. when he did, and then he switched it to, what was it, April 30th. Well, that, you know, that's a 999 deal. That's, that's, it's May 1st is the same thing, but by saying April, it's sooner. I know, I know. Yep, I no, know. no, and, and trust me, this was, yeah. to me, I think he's showing the proper leadership. And then, like I, I said, as soon as he opened it up to May, he switched his language to more delegation. Okay, you guys are the ones that are telling the states to shut down. So it's yeah. not, yeah, because it did. It, it was a state shutdown, not a federal. And and the pressure is on. I can see it with our governor. The uh, we have a a Democrat governor, Republican legislature, and uh, the Republicans uh, started passing bills, uh, you know, every day to uh, reopen things, and uh, it, the governor vetoed them the first time. But then the second time, it came up, or I don't know, maybe the third or fourth time. But in any case, the uh, Democrats started, you know, making noises about well, we may we may vote with Republicans. Well, then of course the governor relented and started started opening things up, you know, and so the pressure is on these guys, thank goodness. And I think Trump has helped to create that pressure very adroitly. And I have to tell you, when I'm watching him at these uh, interviews, I feel confident in him. I I I feel like somebody who knows what they're doing is in charge. And uh, I know not everybody feels that way, but I do, and I feel like he's. He's um, he's using his healthcare experts, and and, he, and if the truth be known, he may have relied on them a little too much. But he's balanced that with a concern for uh, the economy from the very beginning, and he keeps talking about the potential for the economy to boom again uh, and to come back quickly. And I think you know you understand the psychology of this stuff is enormously important. If you have somebody up there saying, well. You know, we have no choice. We had no choice to do it, and we're just going to have to get through it. You know, we're all in it together. They all say. You know, uh, I, I'm getting a little tired of that. Well, no, the, uh, no. Well, <laughs> and, and and that's a great point because that was the, that was yeah. how I concluded that my, my my kind of my defense of Trump's leadership during this, where I said, listen, yeah. guys, right now he's the only. What I'm hearing when I hear him talk is, we are now beyond everybody gets a trophy. We need to make real decisions here, and opening restaurants half full, that's not a thing. You're just going to put them out of business. So right. that, that is not a real solution. Uh, opening right. up a casino so people sit every fourth machine and having somebody stand by so they can wipe it down in between people, that's not a real solution. Now, you're telling yeah. states to shut down, come up with a plan, because my plan right. is open up the economy. What do you got? That, to me, is yeah. what I hear from them, that we're beyond yeah. everybody gets a trophy. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree with you, and I think that the problem we have in the uh, blue states, uh, so to speak, and uh, and, um, and they're not all led by Democrats, but most of them, uh, is that they are so used to government designing the solution for something, they can't imagine anything else, and they're just they're just driven to tinker, 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 mess with this, mess with that. And I think what everybody's looking for at this point is, you know what? Let's 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 go back and reevaluate our strategy. Our strategy—it's obvious at this point. Our, you know, I I just sent you, uh, internet-wise, I just sent you a thing I send out daily to uh, about thirty-five people. 
where I analyzed the numbers for Pennsylvania. And, and you know how many people yesterday were of our, the new deaths that we had yesterday, 81% of them were in nursing homes, 81%. And they've been 62% to date have been in nursing homes. What that tells me vividly is that we have, we've had the wrong strategy here. The strategy should have been to protect our nursing homes, protect our most vulnerable, do whatever we have to do to protect the most vulnerable and do the best we can and let everybody else get it. I mean, I, I, and I hate to be sound cruel, and I don't mean to be cruel, but it's obvious that if everybody else gets it, most of them are not going to die. They're going to be sick. They're going to get better, and they're probably going to be immune. Okay, so we we... We, that's what we should have done. We should have just concentrated on the most vulnerable and let everybody else get it. Let's transition into a new area, if you wouldn't mind here, and that is yeah. um, into kind of the natural gas area. I don't know if you've seen Humans, uh, Planet of the Humans with by uh, Michael Moore or the documentary that he... I watched he, a little bit of it enough, okay. to, 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 enough to know that it's why it's uh, so tweaking the... Uh, the the the, uh, the anti greens if you know what I mean right right and and you know what it's I'll tell you what it's going to be a very important tool uh, for the oil and gas industry in the next year because he did that video probably did more to open up the conversation than you know anything the oil and gas industry has probably done in the last ten years and, of course of and course. that's that's remarkable when you, when you think about the amount of investment and the strategy that's been used. Um, yeah. But getting back to the, the point of the, the, the deal is I thought they did a really good job of just opening up the conversation of natural gas in that uh-huh. natural gas is clean. Natural gas uh-huh. is, is, is going to be the bridge. And I was happy to see that conversation come back because that's been uh, for some reason been completely uh, overshadowed for the last five, six years. Yeah. Well, you know, you look at Michael Moore. I mean, he's, he's, he's not a likable character in any sense of the word. Uh, and, and I, I can't think of anything that he, anything else that he's done that I would that I would agree with. But at the same, and by the same time, at the same time, he is, and and I know he hates us. You know, he really hates us. <laughs> but but he's intellectually honest enough. I'm not going to say he's intellectually honest, but he's intellectually honest enough to recognize a scam when he sees it. Because he's been producing all these, uh, you know, these anti-capitalist—not uh, really anti-capitalist, anti-corporatist, uh, you know—movies, and and there's some truth in those, of course. Um, he's 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 smart enough to to see that what's before him with the with the solar and wind scams and the the green exit scam, as I call it, uh, is a gigantic scam. I mean, you can't you can't not see it if you've done any analysis of this, any analysis whatsoever. You cannot not see it. And that's the next question I was going to ask you, if we can just go a step deeper here in the pool, which is I, the second thing I took away from it was, okay, the natural gas was the first, but the second thing was it almost seemed like it was a uh, shot at capitalism. But I think you're right when you say it's more of a shot at greed and and what was the word I wrote down here? Um, uh, corporate scams, corporate scams, that sort of thing. Yeah. I think it was a shot at kind of the uh, unethical capitalists, if you will. Yeah. Well, you know, corporatism was the heart of fascism. You know, Mussolini was a a hardcore socialist, but he he knew that to accomplish what he wanted socialistically, he needed to co-opt 
uh, industry. And so what he did is he fashioned, you know, essentially a deal of, of what we now call corporatism, where gigantic companies would be created and, and favored, and they would, they would do the government's work, and uh, they would be essentially a, uh, an appendage of government, you know. And, um, and, and, and that's what we see today a lot, unfortunately, in America. We've seen a lot of that. That's one of the things I like about Trump. Trump sees that, too. He's been attacking a lot of it. Uh, now, he's had to backtrack some with some of this, but, but um, uh, because of the necessity to compromise with people. But, but the corporatism is where you're essentially, you're not doing capitalism. You're just doing cronyism. You're doing, you know, you're seeking government rent. Uh, and you're looking for favors in order to move your your corporation ahead, uh, and you're looking to avoid competition. You know that that's real. Capitalism is pure competition, but corporatism is the exact opposite, and it's 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 simply looking to government for uh, succor and for uh, uh, for for privilege. You know so. Um, and that's you know I just had an article up this morning on my blog that I that I took from. Uh, a great website called Master Resource, where uh, the fellow Bob Bradley wrote a nice article about the wind subsidies. You know, we we've been doing these damn wind subsidies since what 1992 or something, and every year they tell us, "Oh, we're just about there. We just need a few more years." <laughs> you know, <laughs> and I'm not against wind. I've you know I've worked on wind projects, but but come on, this is ridiculous. You know, this is that's pure corporatism, pure government rent seeking. You got time for one more? Yeah, sure. Okay, good. Because this is this is one another one of my journalistic things that have been popping up over this whole deal, which is um, this discussion of bailouts to the oil and gas industry. And yeah. I found it very interesting um, when it first came out, the early part of March, and Mike Summers from API, the CEO of API, the director. I mean, right. honest to God, before they could even finish the sentence, he was saying, absolutely not. I mean, that's how much of a knee-jerk reaction it was of the, in my opinion, just the old-school way of oil and gas. We don't take subsidies. Correct. We're not doing this. Government, right. stay out of our life, this and that. Well, yeah. about a week ago, a week and a half ago, uh, Matt Gallagher from Parsley Energy was on Jim Cramer talking about how possibly the Texas oil or the Texas Railroad Commission should control production in Texas. And those are two completely different spectrums in terms of ideology when it comes to oil and gas. And I think oh, that yeah. the industry is faced with that paradigm right now. That's part of the paradigm shift with this new generation of uh, young executives that are coming in that, you know, grew up a little bit different with the climate and, and with the yeah. ed education and, and things. Just have you thought about that yet, about how the industry is facing that paradigm shift ideologically right now? Yeah, a little bit. I, uh, probably not as much as I should have, and I don't really want to comment on the Texas situation in particular, but, I, uh, you know, it's not a new controversy. If you read the prize, which is Daniel Jurgen's uh, famous book, uh, the subtitle is The Epic Quest for oil, money, and power. <laughs> he he talks about how the industry has gone through this before, where there was a um, uh, you know they they solicited government to to control the production, control the output, and the same thing happens. You know we hear it a lot with respect to the dairy industry. There's always a a, a certain number of people who who want to abandon the idea of commodities because commodities are always Always, always, any commodity business, whether it's milk or whether it's oil, uh, 
or whether it's apples, uh, the it, they always are boom or bust because uh, the solu- you know we've talked about this before in this program. The solution to low prices is high prices. The solution to high prices is low, you know, is high prices. You know, so yeah, uh, because high prices will create a an oversupply and then the price will go down. You know? so so the the um, uh, same thing is happening in the in the oil and natural gas business, of course, and. Uh, I don't think that at the end of the day, production quotas really uh, help. I, I just I think the the only solution is again economics, where the industry has to find a way to adapt to the circumstances. And some people will go out of business. And that's, that's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, it's painful to some people who are doing are facing it. But it's no more, no different than a small farmer going out of business, it's, you know. And 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 the cycle always comes around later. It's just like with supermarkets, you know. We went, everybody used to have the the general store, right? And and we ended up uh, having a situation over the years where the supermarket replaced the general store, only to have a few years later, the convenience store come back. Okay, which is the, it's just a new form of the general store, right? That's all it is. It's a new form of the general store. Um, and and that's because of the thing we started out this program the the ability to adapt. So you're always going to have this cycle, this this undulating wave uh, that uh, is going to affect the way things happen. But I don't I don't think government involvement ever really helps. That, that's just my philosophy, and I know that people argue with me and they'll say that it helps to even out the. Uh, I hate to use this overused term, and I I really do hate it. But the the the, the excuse is the same thing we're dealing with with COVID. Everybody wants to flatten the curves. Well, I don't know if that's smart or not. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you commenting on it because it is it is a rather controversial topic, in my opinion, because a lot of people don't like having this discussion. But at the same time, it's a very real discussion. Like oh, yeah. I, and like I said, Mike Summers, not even a month and month and a half ago was talking about yeah. no intervention, and now we've got the CEO of a major energy company saying maybe we should. And I, I, I'll just leave it with this, or and you can comment on it if you'd like. And, and the reason I bring it up is because I do believe we're at a crossroads in the industry. And when you look back at what Norway and Mexico did in 2015, to get out of that downturn, they just they, they basically brought in foreign investors. And when you look at what other countries have done, before the shale boom, especially, they, they nationalized oil or subsidized it like agriculture to, to the tune to where it almost is nationalized. So uh-huh. I, I think the industry is almost faced with pretty close to those two scenarios. And it's, um, it's just something I think that the industry should be talking about a little bit more. So I do appreciate you, you, you talking about it. You well, know, I think, I think you know, obviously these things have to be discussed, for, if for no other reason than to educate but you know, again, look at look at the history of uh, the United Kingdom. I mean, uh, they ended up nationalizing everything over a period of several decades, and uh, and then they had to unnationalize it because it became so uh, you know damnably inefficient and and such a burden on the taxpayers, and and could not move ahead uh, innovation wise that they on they you know they unnationalized everything, they privatized everything, so. Again, I think you're always going to have these waves of, you know, well, why don't we do this? And then, and then uh, they realize that's not the magical solution. You know, economics is a is a, a cruel master to some some extent, but but in the end, I think maybe it, it may be the kindest of all because it, it's truthful. You know, it, it's you can't hide the truth that if you overproduce, your price is going to be, 
is going to be so low, you're probably going to go out of business. It's that, it's that simple. And companies need to uh, be nimble enough to adapt. You know, I you know, know of companies we've talked about before in this program that uh, are able to make able to make money even at today's low natural gas price. And it's incredibly low, but they're able to make money, some of them, you know. So isn't that what we want? Don't we want to reward those people that are able to make money at this lowest of low prices and, and let the big guys that are, are the, the, the ones that can't do it, that, they deserve to die, I'm sorry to say, but that's that's the truth, you know. So That's capitalism in its truest form, isn't it? It is. Yeah, and, and, it'd be nice to go back to that, um, something along those lines. And the energy industry, in my opinion, was, was the last industry that allowed that. And I bring this example up to people a lot, you know, about Apple Computer. Yeah. Apple Computer yeah. had to get Hewlett-Packard to say okay before they started the, the, their company, essentially, because Steve Wozniak worked at Hewlett-Packard part-time. And the, in, oh, yeah. and the intellectual yeah. property laws were so stringent back in the 70s that a part-time employee going to start a offshoot computer company had to get the executives at Hewlett-Packard to say, yeah, go ahead, little kid, do it. Otherwise, Apple Computer would have never been started. The oil and gas industry still allows, at least to my knowledge, some rig hand or roughneck looking at a vibrating tube for two years saying, you know what, I can save some money for this company if I can make that tube go twice as fast. And he does it. And within a year, he's a president of a company and he's got a great business going. I have, yeah. not, I have not seen that in any other industry in my 20 years of doing business reporting than the oil and gas industry. That's the only industry I've seen where the free market is actually somewhat free. And I've only been involved with the industry for about half of the time that you have. But I've noticed the same thing, and uh, it's the thing that always draws me back to it. Me I mean, it, 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 it's it's always this. Uh, let's just find a solution. Let's listen to everybody. Let's work it out. You know, it's it's always that kind of an attitude. You know, I'll be and honest, what, and and that's why I'm kind of paying attention to this thread of that this existential storyline, if you will, because um, you know, there's something there. There is something there where people gravitate towards opportunity. And the oil and gas industry used to represent so much opportunity. And so that's why I think this discussion about whether we're going to, you know, subsidize it or control it is, is, is a fair uh, uh, topic yeah. for a lot of different people. But, OK, yeah. let's get to your natural gas now. Otherwise, we're going to go all day on this. And just, I know. You yeah. know, it's two, two guys who love the actual definition of capitalism. Boy, that's. Yeah, exactly. You exactly. and I will go nuts and put the rest of the people to sleep. So what do we got here? Yeah, on that? yeah, yeah, right. What, right. what, what uh, t- plug your website, let people know how they can help. Maybe, you know, if you want to talk about a couple of your thematic stories going right now. Well, with the. My website is naturalgasnow.org, as you as we talked about at the beginning, and uh, uh, I, we have a daily new content except for Sundays. Sometimes we don't have daily content on Sundays, but typically we have a couple of new stories every day on the blog. And uh, uh, for example, uh, today we've got two stories. Uh, one is uh, about the wind power subsidies that I referred to uh, earlier, and how they're you know they're really out of control. It's like they're on automatic pilot, which is ridiculous. Uh, and then the other one is just a silly little story, but a, but interesting nonetheless about Exxon Mobil making 160,000 gallons of hand sanitizer, sanitizer, and giving it to six different states. Um, and and other times we will, you know, we focus on a lot of legal issues. Uh, uh, we focus on the politics of, of uh, 
things like uh, what's going on in New York, uh, where you know they just officially banned hydraulic fracturing, even though the New York needs more gas than ever. Um, things like that, and we're we're very opinionated. Uh, we have a lot of uh, uh, content, a lot of uh, guest bloggers, and we do you know we do look for support. Uh, we we invite people to support our blog and. Uh, we do have people in the industry that do that, but we also have a lot of individuals that just give us, uh, you know, eleven ninety seven or whatever it is, eleven. Uh, I guess it's eleven eighty eight a year. So, um, uh, <laughs> which is not much, but you know, hey, it, it pays. It pays for the internet charges. Let's put it that way. So, so well, in any case, you know, this is the beauty of capitalism, right? It's kind of the it's kind yeah. of the free will concept. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And. Uh, and I have a consulting business. Uh, that's my main thing that okay. I do. I have a, I'm a planning and research consultant, and uh, and so I, I do do some work consulting-wise with the industry and with a lot of other people. And uh, so there is some there is some blending of the two. But, uh, anyway, that's the story. Well, you're one of the best in the business. That's why we have you on, and we appreciate your time and and everything. So, folks, if you can get out to natural gas now.org check it out and if you can support it he'd probably appreciate that even more but i i know you're like me you appreciate people just sharing it and liking it and uh um, exactly and, and, exactly. and that, that's our biggest downfall in business isn't it i know <laughs> <laughs> it's so true hey jason we, we are of one mind no question about it so thank you for this opportunity <laughs>